0: This week, we welcome writer Carol Markowitz to talk about her first book, Stolen Youth, How Progressives Are Replacing innocence with Radicalism. How do you define woke for for people who ask you?
1: I say that it's leftism coupled with a forced conformity. So Mm. leftism has always existed. I'm not saying that colleges weren't leftist indoctrination factories before. But now the left themselves are unable to have any kind of difference of opinion. And it's that forced conformity to me that makes wokeness what it is. An example that I often use is the old left, you get a woman's studies degree. The new woke, you get a woman's studies degree, but you can't define what a woman is. Right. <laughs> you, you know? And this is where we are.
0: This is Watkins Welcome with Bridget Phetasy. I'm Bridget Phetasy. And you are Welcome. <laughs> you know the drill please subscribe rate comment share reach out tell your friends send smoke signals whatever we love your feedback and we want to hear from you if you like our work and want to support us the best way to do that is join fetacy.com. you'll get access to behind the scenes content outtakes discounts on merch and the ability to submit questions for some of our upcoming guests. Support your favorite scrappy little internet heroes at fetacy.com. I'm with Carol Markowitz everybody. Welcome to Walkins Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. It's so Welcome. good to be here.
0: Welcome back. You're a repeat. I am. How is We're here to talk about well we're we're going to talk about a lot of things. The fact that we're refugees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes i feel that you know
0: you're in florida you're you're one of the new york to florida and i'm one of the the california to texas
1: yes i think those are the only two options yes
0: so.
1: how, you, how are you liking <laughs> I think it a choice. um i love it it's really really amazing in so many ways that i had not even considered it would be amazing
0: what are the ways that it is surprising and amazing for you
1: I guess the normalcy has been so shocking. Like things just function when a stoplight is out, like everybody just expects it's going to be fixed that day. Um, or when porn is discovered in the school library, people motivate to get rid of it immediately. And it's not just, you know, conservatives, Republicans, whatever, it's everybody. Everybody is kind of just sane and normal and thinking about what would make life better for everybody.
0: Interesting. And did you, when did, how long have you been there now?
1: Uh, About a year and a half, January of 2022.
0: Okay. And I know you were very torn. Like people were, you're a diehard New Yorker and I think you struggled in many of the same ways I did. You have family in New York Mm -hmm. and Yep. So a lot of the things that were keeping you there and people and your mentions were always like, just leave. And it's, you know, it's not that easy.
1: Right. right. Yeah. And what was
0: the final straw that, that broke the camel's back?
1: There wasn't like one thing. It was a buildup of, of things where every time something would happen, my husband and I would be like, we got to get out of here. Um, I feel like this wasn't like the last straw, but this was something that happened in. I think we we might have already made the decision to leave by this point, but in December of 2021, um, my son's, uh, the, my youngest son was in kin first grade and he had a class presentation where we couldn't go to, into his classroom and the kids were all masked and the teacher was masked and they did this presentation for the parents who were at home on zoom. And it sounded like, and we just watched like, you know half an hour of this where nobody understood one word they were saying and we were just like wow we live in a really crazy place where nobody seems to be outraged about this other than us mm. and we need to go and mm. we might have already made the decision to leave by then but that was like a a real moment of this place is insane it's not on a path to sanity we don't see any light at the end of the tunnel it's not just about COVID, it's about the fact that they all sat there and took it and didn't say a word and behaved like this was okay. And we just couldn't let go of that.
0: Yeah, I feel very similar. And then I, I mean, I didn't have kids in school, but then having a child definitely changed things for me in ways that were surprising. Mostly that I was inadvertently dragged into the culture wars, got caught in the crossfire of them, but it did, it had a lot of Real world implications, but suddenly having a kid, I was like, uh, I'm yeah. not going to be able to ignore this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear that. You know,
1: I, I. It's so interesting because I think a lot of people. It, it was interesting to me that during the pandemic, a lot of people who did not have children nevertheless fought for children's causes, which was amazing to me because I don't know that I would have been as active in it if I wasn't living through it. But I could just think of so many like. Red Seas on Twitter, you know, single guy, um, other single men that I know, um, women who did not have children. I didn't have a kid
0: you know. and I was right, outraged.
1: Right. And, and and so I just feel like there were people that that really saw what was happening and were like, wow, this is really going to affect kids poorly. And I, I don't know that I could have, not that I wouldn't have made the leap, I probably would have, but I, I don't know that I would have been as passionate about it as you guys were. And it was amazing to me to watch that. Um, But yeah, having kids really does alter your perspective on everything that's happening around you and things that you would have been, you know, quicker to accept. I think if we didn't have kids, we'd still be living in New York.
0: Right. Yeah. I I wonder about us. I actually think we would have moved earlier because because we had family there and that was Mm -hmm. one of like, how do you do that math? You know, it's, it's things that are not. You can't necessarily calculate those kinds of the value you get from grandma being in your kid's life on a regular basis. And I still get emotional thinking about it, like my aunt and uncle and not being able to be there for them when they're older and help them and go to the hospital if they need to go or whatever. But at the end of the day, it was just, I was, we were so, every little thing, I'm like, we don't have to live like this. We don't have That's to live the like beauty this. of America. Yeah. We don't have to be outraged <laughs> right. every time Gavin Newsom opens his mouth. Yeah. We can be like, I guess probably what Europeans feel like watching the election cycle in America Distanced and kind of like, oh, that's interesting and sucks, <laughs> but it's not affecting me. Good luck.
1: Yeah, good luck with that. Unless he um, runs for president,
0: and then yeah, I will have I, to really activate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's even crazy to me that people talk about him as some kind of potential candidate because I have like a laundry list of things that I just don't understand how people don't know about Gavin Newsom, like that, okay, yes, he went to French Laundry when he wanted restaurants to be closed and he never wore a mask. Like, you you never saw him in a mask, just like all the other politicians. Uh, but then he sent his daughter to private school while schools were closed in California. And then he said he was going to mandate the vaccine for all children. And then it was discovered that his kid, who was eligible for it, had not gotten it. And it was, like, months later. And just so many things about him. He's so scuzzy and... He's so such a hypocrite, and I don't understand why he's considered even a possibility. his state's in shambles,
0: yeah, that's and I would imagine too, just all of the California refugees that have invaded every other state, driven up the prices of homes it's I don't see how people could look around and and at their own neighborhoods and states and think that this guy did something right <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I, I think that that's a big point, and you know, like the Ron DeSantis victory in November, where he wins by you know almost twenty points. A lot of that was because so many people moved to Florida because of his policies. It was like you heard it everywhere. Like I was in a supermarket on um, on election day, and the guy behind the counter, and I don't live in a particularly red area, was just like, you know, Ron DeSantis. Like he, we got to we got to really represent for him. Um, And I I think that that was the case in just a lot of places where people know what they moved for. This isn't like previous migrations. People really get what they are escaping this time.
0: Yeah, it was strange um, traveling around during the pandemic because we came to Texas. We have family in Arizona, came twice to Texas and it just felt so much more open and free. And then we would go back to California and people would still be so fearful. And I would see kids in masks while their parents weren't, which would make like, I would just get enraged. And it was, it was insane to me because it was like, they didn't realize that a lot of other places in the country did their kind of 2 week mandatory lockdown and then pretty right. much moved on. Yeah. You know, schools yeah. were open that fall. They the kids mm-hmm. were they the kids seemed to just so much more well adjusted and they would look you in the eye and it just was not the same in California at all.
1: Right. I was in DC recently and I saw kids still wearing masks when their parents weren't and it drove me bananas, but it also made me think like what is happening here? What it can't be that the parents are like, let me protect the child, only the child, and mask them. I almost think the kid must be asking for the mask at this yeah. point because what else could it be? It's 2023. Yeah. Why is your child wearing a mask and you're not?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of them got used to it. You know, there were a lot of really? kids who were saying they felt like they could. If you're shy or don't want people to see your face, there was a lot of, and it just, you know, maybe they're afraid. There was like all that messaging about how you're going to kill grandma. It's not like kids are idiots and they don't pick up on that stuff.
1: Totally.
0: Especially if you're in a family where it's, um, openly being discussed like that or the news is on Mm -hmm. in the back. Who knows? Kids, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's just shocking what they pick up.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, at at that point, if you're not wearing the mask, even if you were super crazy and you, you know, maybe realize that that was a mistake, but like, how do you not tell the kid like, okay, we don't have to do this anymore.
0: Yeah. That, I think that goes to the point of your book that I want to talk to you about stolen youth and how, how that's one of the upsetting, most upsetting, probably the most upsetting thing for me over the past five to seven years has been this perception that the kids aren't they're not allowing the kids to just be kids right I was really able to be a kid when i was i't i didn't know i mean when you like the gender stuff for example mm-hmm. i didn't i was so innocent and naive and ag- again i didn't have the internet growing up, so that changes things drastically but i didn't know I was not exposed to like, I don't think I even knew what anal sex was until I was <laughs> well into <Bridget>. my teens.
1: <laughs> right. Well, yeah, apparently that's what they have to be teaching now to elementary school, you know, <laughs> with these books that they keep trying to hide in the library. I know,
0: and then people will be like, they're boycotting me, they're banning these books. I'm like, I don't, yeah. I feel like there's a difference <laughs> between banning and being discerning, you know? They're,
1: right, they're right. <laughs> being, no book
0: <butt> <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want my child learning about that stuff. Call me crazy when, you know, I've been really thinking about when did I learn first learn about some of these things, a trans person, a mm-hmm. um, homosexuality, things that I was not because the, that generation is much more, they have ki- friends whose parents are gay. They have, um, they're a lot more exposed to it, but I, I don't think, I even knew what a butt plug was until I was writing for playboy
1: really missing out there (laughs) but I was in my 30s (laughs) you are really innocent actually (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: that's what uh, I realized when I was writing for playboy I was like I always (laughs) thought I was so like kinky and I'm really quite vanilla (laughs) that's that's what I learned
1: um, I, I did know, uh, I knew trans people, I knew drag queens, I knew gay couples. Uh, I, I mean, I knew
0: with- a lot of those things when I was younger, yeah. but not, I, I was thinking about when I was first exposed or explained those things. It wasn't something like my kindergarten teacher talked to me about.
1: Right. It wasn't like, this is what we do at home, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And that's the thing. It's like, it was, I learned about all this kind of stuff into my, in my teens, um, It wasn't in kindergarten, it wasn't in third grade, nobody sat us down and explained any of this. And the thing is that like, it, it it's really the last few years has moved me um from being quite defensive of let's say trans rights um just look, call them whatever they want to be called i i always use the correct pronouns i would never um not but then it was like okay but now i want to be referred to in the plural and it was like wait a minute i can't do that i can't i can't be calling you a they you're not a they and then they made up a bunch of pronouns after that and and you're expected to follow those too and it seemed like just crazy town where I felt like I was an ally. I felt like I was pro-trans. And then suddenly it was like, no, you have to keep doing these insane things in order to prove yourself. And I was like, well, I'm out. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people are too.
0: That does seem to be the general feeling. We're recording this in the midst of Pride Month, which there's been a lot of backlash, but I'm seeing, you know, people want to say it's a conservative backlash, but I've been seeing plenty of backlash coming from the LGB. Even sure. the LGB was trending on Twitter. You know, it's, it's, there right. seems to be an uh, appropriate backlash to, mm-hmm. like you said, what was once this more live and let live, tolerant. We're just like you. And we just want to be, have the same rights to something far more coercive that is all or nothing. And people are like, okay, then it's nothing. You know, (laughs) and it all
1: keeps expanding. It all just keeps growing. Yeah, I have to have to explain to people what when they when they first see that LGBTQ plus, you know, IA, like, just uh, what is that? What is happening? Um, and and I don't think anybody can keep up with all of that. I don't think anybody on the left is keeping up with all of that.
0: Well, I just wrote a piece for Spectator about all this, and it's, uh, it was. Maddening to try and synthesize because I live and breathe this stuff as you do. So if you're not, so I was talking to my therapist about just the imposter syndrome coming up from interviewing some of these brilliant people like Douglas Murray and Andrew Sullivan and and asking for their thoughts on exactly this topic. And she, I was trying, in tra- talking about my imposter syndrome, I was trying to explain the piece, and she, it made me realize I need to write my piece for her. I can't write it for very online people, they already understand this. But she's like, wow. What's gender ideology? I'm like, That's a great <laughs> question.
1: Right, right.
0: What I is gender find- ideology? <laughs>
1: I, I asked a friend if her if her child's sleepaway camp was putting kids in the bunk based on gender identity. And she was like, what does that mean? And I was like, you know, it's the gender that they identify with. And she's like, no, I, I don't understand. Can you like break it down for me? And I smart person, college educated. I mean, just had does not understand that they are putting, let's say, biological boys in bunks with girls at sleepaway camp. And that's a thing that is happening now. Um, because or it's so even believe, worse,
0: counselors. Right? Perfect. even worse and creepier right. counselors.
1: Yes. <laughs> right. Right. We addressed that in the book. The book has a, a bearded counselor sleeping in an all girl bunk and the girl too afraid to say anything about it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. But go on. Sorry. I just get outraged yeah. about this no, stuff. No,
1: that's it. That's, that's the whole story that I think that a lot of people, a lot of normies don't know that this is happening. And there's just so many conversations that I have that I feel like people walk away from me being like, no way any of that is happening. <laughs> like, that can't be real. That's
0: like men and women, biological men and women's prisons. When you right. tell people about that and explain it, they're like, wait, what? They don't even know what's right. happening.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
0: And you can't even make this stuff up, that people wouldn't possibly think that a predator or a criminal would use a loophole to benefit themselves.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, even forget about that. You know, I I often say this, but when I was a teenager, if you had given me the power to change my (laughs) pronouns from day to day, I would have loved that. I I would have used that. There's no way I wouldn't be tree today and zure tomorrow. (laughs) Like... And make people call me whatever I want and get to keep it all secret from my parents. Like, they don't even get to find out that I'm a lunatic. Like, it would just be amazing. And you get instant uh, victim points, which, you know, a lot of us simply don't have, Bridget, <laughs> just being boring white biological women, uh, we don't have those victimhood points. <laughs> and and those are currency in today's world. So why wouldn't I be non-binary if I was in high school right now? I, I absolutely would be.
0: Yeah, I always say that. And I was so uncomfortable as a girl when I was going through puberty, just so uncomfortable in my body, the like weird sexual tension from creepy uncles and like... The, 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 like, suddenly just attention from boys and hormones and. Things blossoming, you're like, what is going on? <laughs> like, I
1: definitely blossoming, yeah. I
0: definitely would have been like, no, eat the teats. I'm all for right. Ye- yes, queen. <laughs> I'm all for it. Like on right. TikTok, stop the
1: blossoming. <laughs>
0: stop the blossoming. I <laughs> I definitely think I would have been on. that. And we were joking about this on Dumpster Fire this past week, actually. <laughs> like the whole bill in California that I. It's amazing. It's even got as far as it has, where essentially it's child abuse if you don't affirm your kid's gender. I'm like, I definitely would have been like, if you don't take me to Disney World, <laughs> I'm calling the cops. <laughs> For, Wait, can and, we still do that or no? <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, and I'm telling them that you won't call me them.
1: Right. And we yeah. were
0: joking. I'm like, yeah, I would have just called their bluff and been like- A lot
1: of power. A lot yeah, of power. a lot of power. And and it's going to be misused. I mean, you can just see it, right? It's it's not just you and I who have realized how much possibility there is here. Um, I, I'm sure that teenagers are picking up on this. and 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 it really does coincide with this moment where we are so into rewarding victimhood and this is an easy way to get it. This is yeah. an easy way to become one and become a star.
0: Yeah, I know. And it's... It's really interesting. I had a friend talking about how they were on a dating site and they have teenagers and one of their teens has kind of been sucked into this. And then there was someone else that they were talking to on the dating site. And then that person was like, Oh, I have a teen too. That's like going through this. And now it's this whole, and they're not necessarily for it, but they can tell this other person is and, And now it's become this whole, I was like, how did these parents just not see that this is a trend? And they said, well, because this is also a trend among parents to be a a parent of one of these kids. And I was like, oh God, it's so, it's so dark. (laughs) (laughs) Walk-in's Welcome is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Most of you listening right now are probably multitasking Yep. While you're listening to me talk, you're probably also driving, cleaning, exercising, or maybe even grocery shopping. But if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else you can be doing right now. Getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy and you could save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save nearly $700 on average and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner and more. So just like your favorite podcast, Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, so you're protected no matter what. Multitask right now. Quote your car insurance at Progressive.com to join the over 29 million drivers who trust Progressive, Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $698 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: I know a left-wing older man who has three trans grandchildren. Three. Like, I'm sorry. Do the math on that. Like, there's no way that that's real. There's no way that that actually could, could occur in nature. So what is happening here?
0: It's so crazy. And it is, it is so upset. And again, if it wasn't something that people were like, all right, we'll humor them until they grow out of it. And the parents weren't all co-signing it and the medical organizations. And now you're on a, like a puberty, you know, these terms that, that people don't get pushed to define people in power, like, Biden, when you say gender affirming care is reproductive freedom or whatever right. mantra <laughs> of euphemism, euphemisms that you're just yeah. mumbling, what do you actually mean? You these people mm-hmm. need to be pushed to define what gender affirming care is. It's that's like right. I keep having people go on record when they're like, "Oh, gender, I'm fine with gender. I'm a, okay." So you are okay with sterilizing children because essentially right. that's what this does long term if and if they change their mind when they're 18 whoops yeah y- you're just like oh sorry it's so right. it's i don't in i don't yeah. i don't understand it and i'm generally for pro like letting parents you know i'm kind of torn like letting parents make these decisions for their kids but in this instance i don't even know that i you should be allowed to get these things right. until you're 18 no matter even if you have permission.
1: Yes. Yes. I agree with that. Um, I would also say that there is no avenue for parents right now except that one. Right. There's no way um, to find a different path for your child. Find a psychologist who can um, talk to them, any any kind of help at all. And this is part of where I think the right makes a big mistake is if you're a parent and your kid comes to you and says, I'm trans, and you're – shocked and you you don't really know a lot about this world The, the two options right now are the right which are like it doesn't exist fine you know that that's a perspective but um you know, sort of anti, right? They're, right. They're, they 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 come off as not liking your child. Um, well, they co- they
0: the come off as transphobic,
1: <laughs> right? But but I don't think they are. I just think that that's the impression given by like the media, etc. I, I I think that that's what ends up happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And on the
1: left, you have this like, "Well, welcome your child. We love your child." And I think that the right needs to present some other options for parents in this kind of crisis because there is no real good option there is no medical path that they can take there's no doctor they can talk to who will be allowed to say to them like look this is a phase like just wait this out um and that's scary that there's no that there's no alternative um and i i, I do think that the right should be presenting an alternative for the parents who are not rah rah my kid is trans this is so amazing i get all the cool points i think that they should be able to have some sort of dialogue with these people and say look here here are the steps you can take to help your child
0: yeah and i do think that making it so medical providers don't lose their license right. or psychologists aren't living in this fear of losing their license if the if the only path is just a- affirming yeah. all of this will make it easier for people to actually analyze this and and try and weed out who's maybe in a phase who's maybe gay which is a lot of them. Yeah,
1: big one. Yeah. And
0: right. who's truly gender dysphoric because it's not like that yes. doesn't exist. It just doesn't these exist in numbers. these numbers. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just so, it's so, it's such a weird thing. I was watching Rogan doing some stand up and he has like a really hilarious and also kind of terrifying joke where he was like, isn't it? He's like, this isn't even a joke. We just live in weird times where like a certain percentage of you might lose your job if you say men can't get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it gets the biggest laugh because it's like relief, but it's also like, this is fucking crazy. Right,
1: right. We also
0: live in the stupidest Mm -hmm. times and somehow it's been, it does feel like the inmates are running the asylum. So in your book I know you guys cover a lot of the different aspects of how like I guess little indoctrinated soldiers are being created but
1: what can parents do? So it's tough because the trans question is is really one of the tougher ones because of how limited your the speeches around it, how you know the the whole thing where you to get fired for not saying men can get pregnant that exists at at a much larger level in the medical field and the psychiatry field. um so that's a really hard one. I mean, pulling your kid out of the situation is what we advise in. our book you know if you if that means you have to pull them out of their school which is of course affirming everything um then you might have to do that you might have to move etc like these are just no easy answer there's no like oh there's a guy you can talk to that can totally fix this there's just uh, we we wish that there was an easier answer but the answer is you might have to uproot your entire life to save your kid and
0: and people have done that
1: oh yeah yeah i mean They've done that. I think about look. We we've done it on a on a smaller scale, right? Yeah. We we uprooted our lives for our children again. And, you know, I, when I say this on Twitter, people like really come for me. But before the pandemic, our plan B of where we were going to live, if, in case anything went wrong in New York, was LA. <laughs> like, uh. I mean, we
0: never,
1: you know, we never even considered that both places would fall apart like the way that they have. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you make your decisions what's best for your family and we we talk about that in the book a lot in a lot of different ways not just on the trans issue uh but a win is a family who is free so if free means you move to another state and that's that might be what you have to do it might mean you just move to another community it might mean that you switch schools it might mean that you um you know get out of the friend group that, that your kid is in um it could mean any number of things but you're the freedom for a family to be who they really are is at the crux of our book. And we open Stolen Youth with a history chapter of totalitarian societies and how this has happened before, this cultural revolution where you can't say what the truth is and your neighbors all inform on you and hold you accountable and um, bad things happen to people who are not in the in-group or not part of the party in charge all of this has happened before. I just think that it's happening in America really for the first time. And to see it as a broader cultural revolution is what we present in the book. That it's not just, look, you can't say men can get pregnant. You can't say lots of things. You can't say I'm not racist. That's the wrong language. You have to say I'm anti-racist. You have, there's so many things that you're not allowed to say and you must present in a really specific way is very to me. Being born in the Soviet Union reminds me of the stories of my childhood. My grandmother saying that, you know, they her her father had been killed by Stalin. But when Stalin died, her and her sister made a scrapbook of Stalin's glorious life because wow. that's how you survived. And then when Khrushchev took power and was like Stalin was actually really bad, they had to immediately destroy that scrapbook and pretend that they never thought those things. And you always had to be a step ahead of what the right opinion was and to be parroting it in this specifically correct way. And that's what we have in America today.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I've been noticing being on YouTube. We always have to, the the kids these days, I'll have this double speak that they use to get around the tech sensors. And <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. You know, everybody just mm-hmm. takes it for granted and we've even started doing it because on YouTube or on Dumpster Fire, these stories, I'm like, I am going to effing kill myself, you know, and you can't (laughs) even say that. The kids all say on a live, which is, this is crazy. This is, you know, Orwellian kind of doublespeak or these codes that they use like in China, when you're talking Mm -hmm. about Tiananmen Square or something, it's just, it just feels very unsettling to have this happening but at these these levels of power that are wielded like algorithms that are invisible that you can't see that decide who gets elevated and who gets kind of demoted or silenced and then you have it in cahoots with the whole entire government apparatus and um you've got somebody from the white house talking about gender affirming care it's just Crazy to me. I'm not. Yeah. I I can see why people would just bury their head in the sand and not want to even fight it. And Easily. who has yeah. them, moving is not cheap. It's not. That was the other thing wow. that bothered me when people were like, "Oh, just move." I'm like, "Right." That's a rich people solution, largely.
1: Yes, yes. That is right. not
0: something that it cost me a lot. It put me back. It was not easy. It wasn't like I had people packing my home. We had to do that. It was. It. We had it was not some like we're still dealing with the effects of it. It wasn't something that was like, Oh, I just do my thing while everyone packs up for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I, I think that people are naive about the cost of it. Um, both financial and, you know, the emotional cost of it. We had a picture for our lives. I, we thought we were going to live in New York for the rest of our lives. We set up our life in such a way that that was going to be the future. And then suddenly that wasn't the future. And suddenly I wasn't going to be living two minutes from my brother who I'm super close with. And I wasn't going to be, you know, next to my mom and my in-laws and my, you know, brother and sister-in-law. And it's, really hard to let go of a dream it's Mm -hmm. hard to let go of a fantasy of what your life was going to be like which you were sure of confident you would have you know bet a bazillion dollars that you were going to be live and die a new yorker and suddenly you couldn't do that anymore um so yeah it's not easy and it's a solution that you really have to come to very seriously and see how much you can do to change your life in the situation that you're in um, but for a lot of people, like, again, if you're if you're living in a really blue area and your teenage daughter comes to you and says, I'm trans because she's a tomboy and always enjoyed playing sports and thinks that that means that she's a boy, you're going to have to make some changes. And, yeah. it, 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 and it's going to cost a lot in a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah. I I think of that Abigail Schreier piece that she wrote for City Journal when the state comes for your kid. And it was about that one father who he went to the hospital and his kid was kind of on the spectrum. And then he basically just like got his kid out of the hospital and moved, you know, like got him out of the state immediately, just moved as soon as they could.
1: Yeah. And Do you hear that story? Um, I feel like you might know this, but when Angela Lansbury died, there was a story about yes. how her teenage daughter started hanging out with a guy when she was in high school and then started stealing money for this guy. Yeah. It gives and me Angela, chills. And Angela Lansbury was like, I got to get her out of here. And they moved to Britain. She literally just Ireland. Moved, packs up her family. Oh, Ireland. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Packs up her family, moves to Ireland and the punchline. <laughs> it was Charlie Manson. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like she did the right thing, you know? She just did. You don't know in the moment. You which, you might think like, oh, I'm crazy. What am I doing? Um, but she did the right thing. Obviously, we all know that in retrospect now. Um, but that's but, mama's instinct. Oh, yeah.
0: That was my instinct with, with our family. And I was already, before the pandemic, before even 2019, I was like, mm. LA's getting a little apocalyptic. There was right. just like a pre, pre-Mageddon, I call it, vibe. Mm. It's just like... The homelessness was getting worse and worse, and conditions just seemed to be kind of deteriorating. The city used to be so pretty; it wasn't pretty anymore. My friend came and visited, and she's been all over the world, and she was like, "Oh, it smells like Brazil." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Okay." Do you mean that
1: as a compliment?
0: <laughs> she, as we were walking by, like she's like, "This reminds me of like when I was in Brazil, and by the you know the slums or whatever." It just <laughs> I, sh- I don't think she meant it as a compliment. It was like a homeless right, person right. urinating on this, yeah. you know, in Venice. I, I just, mm. there were so many signs. And then during the lockdowns and the pandemic, we, I, I remember I was walking with my husband because that was all we were allowed to do. And we were going for a walk and it, it was like when there was a curfew in LA that even though we were already under curfew, it was like a double curfew. <laughs>
1: So you guys were, were really bad we were
0: already in lockdown and we got put yeah. on a curfew and it was it was nuts because of all of the riots and whatnot so we were walking and i'm like i feel like the signs are all there that it's just time to go we need to go i probably would have left like right around when rogan left had a, my husband was getting licensed to be a therapist and he like you have to do a certain amount of hours and he was a third of the way in and he would have had to start over if we had left so we were always like uh oh, what do we do and as we were having this conversation, this news van drives by that has spray paint, like a, the, uh, a
1: cab all over it. We were like, what is going on? <laughs> right. That was the actual sign, right?
0: <laughs> I was like, I feel like God just drove that news van by like, uh, it's time to get out guys. It was like, um, the media with all cops are bad <laughs> spray yeah. painted on it. I'm like, What a perfect right. metaphor.
1: I don't, think it, I don't
0: think the B stands for bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> and then I got pregnant. So writers were kind of like, all right, maybe we'll leave. And it's I, but I promised myself that I wouldn't be there on her first birthday. And the moving truck got here on the, twi- on like literally on the day of her birth for her year wow. of birth. Mm-hmm. And so I was feeling good about that because I'm like, I don't want, I don't want this. I don't
1: want, yeah.
0: I don't want this for her.
1: Right. And I watched so many people flee.
0: Yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't even, it became so much more than should we, shouldn't we, we want to, it became like imperative that I rescue my child from what I saw was just, what if we go on lockdowns? I don't even want to have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. want to have to be dealing with a teenage daughter who's like, I'm going to tell, you know, this called <laughs> Child Protective Services because you're not you're not affirming my my gender.
1: Right. Yeah. It's a big step. but You did it. You did it.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's just I feel bad for the kids. They seem like, you know, they do these like shooting drill. They have such a different upbringing than those we did are so
1: pointless those shooting drills pre-covid that's the kind of stuff i used to write about like why are we doing shooting drills in schools why it does nothing and in fact the shooter is very likely taking part in your shooter drill only to come back and know exactly where you guys are going to be hiding um and why so... are they all hiding in like a closet <laughs> right. this feels right. like, like sitting ducks direction. shouldn't just, they be like, like scurry <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My kids actually, I I have said to them, like, you do what you have to do to survive. Not, not just in school. You know, some school shooting, which is unlikely, but like, you do what you have to do to survive. You do not listen to anybody. You do what you need to do to get out of a bad situation, and don't let anybody make you a sitting duck.
0: Yeah, yeah. That this the the drills seem almost like trigger warnings. They're like real life (laughs) trigger warnings. Right. they they're largely useless and they mm. actually inspire more anxiety than they run anything
1: exactly yeah well so when i when i used to write about them and you know i've written about them i think more than once um the comment i would get on twitter would be like well we hid under the desk when we had nuclear war drills during the cold war i'm like you thought hiding under your desk was going to help you in a nuclear war like what are you doing so you did something dumb you want your kids to do something dumb like is that the, the equation that you're making for me um but people really are like, no, you have to do something. And to do something is really what it has cost us over the last three years. We did something. We did something really stupid and bad and harmful.
2: Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and I'd like to invite all of you to subscribe to the Dr. Drew podcast. Uh, we are very proud of what we're doing there at that podcast. I am interviewing some of the most interesting well, people you could ever want to talk to. Just whatever I find fascinating, whether it's a smart person or an expert in a field that I'm interested in, or maybe I'm not even interested in, I'm only interested because I've heard them speak and become intrigued, I think you'll be intrigued as well. We get deep into topics that are quite important to the current age. Things like cognitive dissonance, cognitive distortions. How does our mind work? We, we talk about everything at the Dr. Drew podcast It is of real relevance. We get all the way into deep physics and all sorts of stuff. But trust me, it's all very accessible. It's very interesting. Headaches, if you're even interested in learning about headaches, we get there. We go to the interesting topics of the day. Please join us at the Dr. Drew podcast.
0: What do you think in writing this book was the most surprising thing that you learned?
1: How much of it is not a conspiracy theory? How much of it is real? And the example I think that I most use, because I think this was shocking to me, was they're using Marxist texts to teach the, the teachers. So in teacher's colleges throughout the country, they're using actual Marxist books to teach the teachers who then disperse throughout the country and teach our children. I think pre-pandemic, pre-this book, I would have said, no way, come on, that's crazy. Why would they do that? That's insane. We live in America. That's just what a what a crazy thing to say. And then you look into it and it's actually happening. And I think there's so many things like that, like, wow, this is actually happening. You can't get into medical school unless you write an essay on diversity and inclusion and how you're gonna use that in your practice. And so they're creating a situation where you're only allowed to think one way. You're only allowed to talk one way. And you know, there there are gonna be doctors who are brave enough to not do that, to not parrot every single line that they're made to parrot. But the great majority are not gonna do that. The great majority are gonna fall in line, say what they have to say and do
0: what they have to do. I see that with a lot of friends. I have friends who've had kids for a while and some of them are going to college. And one of my friend's kids is going to a very liberal school. And they were telling me the insane orientation stuff that they had to do. It right. was, it, it sounds bananas. Yeah. And they just yeah. sit through it. And her kid is kind of like, uh, her kid is like of that generation that I think has been reacting to a lot of this. So just kind of, but knows how to play the game. Like we ever, you have to, to a certain extent in college, but it feels really now, even the parents have to get on board and you're right. You're doing these weird quizzes and you wouldn't believe it if you heard it.
1: So I lived on a commune in Scotland and um, I, I was there because I wanted to live in Scotland. I was already a conservative. I was like 19 years old and I just wanted to live in Scotland. And there was a commune where I could study ecology and get college credits. And I was like in. And on the commune, like the weird, annoying guy who nobody liked would start, like when you introduce yourself and he would say, like I'd be like, I'm Carol. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm studying at Northeastern, you know, et cetera. This guy would be like, whatever his name was. Then he would say the city that he was from in California, obviously California, and what Native American tribe, you know, had previously occupied this land. Um, and he was shunned and eye rolls and all of that, um, at the time. And now that's standard practice. Like <laughs> on my commune in the nineties, they thought this guy was a doofus. The far left people who lived on the commune thought he was crazy. And now it's like a thing that everybody's doing. Like, yeah. This was the tribe that used to live,
0: you know. Oh, yeah. So. I was working mm-hmm. on a farm in Oregon. And this was really when I first became, because I've been thinking about this, just how I first became aware of a lot of what we would just loosely call gender ideology for really lack of a better term. I think most people would probably know it as wokeness, which is also quite hard to define because it is so all encompassing for this thing that you intuit is going on in the background and you'd be told that you're a conspiracy theorist if you point it out or a bigot or a fascist and then yet it's Mm -hmm. also happening and you don't know how to identify it, which feels like, (laughs) you know, actually a feature, not a bug. And I was like, what? Like I, I remember sitting there listening to this because it all started with this conversation where, this Brazilian girl I was working with, she's like, I want to go to Hawaii. And then there started this whole conversation about like how going to Hawaii is bad and you shouldn't go. Oh, cause it's, right, I was right. like, wait, what? Why do you, want? <laughs> they're like, why do you want to go to Hawaii? I was like, cause it's Hawaii. <laughs> like, I don't know why. And they were kind of attacking this poor Girl who didn't yeah. know she was like I don't understand and I was like don't worry I don't understand either and I had never really I didn't go to college so I had not been exposed to all of this in its entirety and well, that wasn't
1: like this yet you know in the nineties it really wasn't this like was in tw-
0: twenty probably
1: twelve. So it was that generation, but it was this
0: generation of kids that's now all in the workforce now. And they were, they had their own language. And there were a couple of them and no one liked them. No one, no one wanted them in their scene. Everybody wanted them to get booted. They were annoying. They, they made everybody mad. And now it would be, now it's like the reverse. Then the kind of majority, yeah,
1: like universe. They're not the majority in real life. They're just, you know, the loud majority in their fields or, in colleges and
0: that you're kind of thing. You're not allowed to say field. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that one. Carol, didn't you no, get I'm the new list of the disapproved <laughs> words? Field is on it. We were I, we I, were I making fun mean, of that. We're like, grand. if the it's first thing something. that you hear, if like, it feels like a Rorschach test. If the first thing that is coming to your mind when someone says field is slaves, maybe you're right. the racist. Maybe it's you.
1: right, right. <laughs> this um, might
0: be a you problem i think yeah. of like strawberries you know
1: my my friend who has a black husband used african-american the other day and i'm like you know you're not allowed to use african-american anymore and she was like oh yeah right i forgot <laughs> you know failed to feel like i used that the other the day no you can't that's it, it
0: why not bad.
1: Well, I mean, why is Afro American out? Same same reason. Mm. We've changed. Things have changed. No longer allowed. Um, and Michael Malice has this amazing thing on it. We quote. We quoted in the book because it's really one of the best things I ever read. Um, where they change the language so that they know who's in the in group. The use of jargon is how they keep a container on who's in and who's out. Who's that? You don't know the. Well, the left, if you don't know the, the latest language, then you're not in. And it's obviously very easy to just keep switch. You know, for, for, if, if I tell you, you're not allowed to use African-American anymore, it's not that hard for you to start saying black. Um, but if you don't, if you're just starting today, they can tell that you're not, you know, you're not part of the club.
0: I feel like when I was growing up, you couldn't say black.
1: Right. Well, now you, now you,
0: <laughs> it's always, changed. yeah, that, where did Michael say this?
1: In an article in The Observer. Oh, I'll, I'll okay. I'll send it to you. And, yeah, I've tweeted about it. It's like one of the greatest, like, points I've ever heard made. It's such a just on point. Like, can we still say on point or no? <laughs> 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 so My first moment where I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, your Hawaii moment was... <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you want to uh, go Jada to Hawaii?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know.
1: <laughs> racist. Um, Turtles? Jada Pink- Pinkett Smith gave a speech at a college. I have no idea what year it was, but maybe in the early 2000s, I would say. But her speech was just criticized for being too heteronormative. And I remember hearing this word heteronormative and thinking like, what a ridiculous word, like who are these lunatics who are using this word? And now obviously it's part of our lexicon, like just something that people say, oh, that's very heteronormative. But she gave a speech about, like, getting married and having kids and whatever. And Jada Pinkett Smith, who's, like, herself kind of kooky these days, um, was seen as too square and too heteronormative. And I I believe she apologized. Probably. If I'm correctly remembering this. Yeah. But that was the first moment that I realized that something was changing. Something was shifting.
0: Yeah, that's really funny. I was thinking, I've been thinking about these long walks. I would go with my roommate at this farm and she was very indoctrinated into like queer theory and all of it. And I'd be like, please explain this to me. And that's when I started hearing heteronormative and all of cis and all this stuff. I'm like, so what is cis and what? And she's like, "Bridget." I'm not your woke Siri or something like that. I was like I don't even think she used the word woke. It was so funny though. She's like, I'm not your like you can't treat me like you're you you need to educate yourself. That's when right, that's right. when I first heard Read that terminology. Yeah. I was like, you went to four years of college to learn this crap. How am I gonna learn it in like one afternoon? It's so specialized right. too. It just seems like such nonsense. It's so crazy. I think that's really what's been the most surprising thing for me is how easily people get swept up and stuff. It really is just wild. And then with the polarization that's happened, it, and both sides are guilty of kind of getting behind something that you're like, you're really going to oppose that? like just because the other side is for it i feel like the left is way worse in this respect cuz i feel like they're they're just backing themselves into the corner of of defending rapists and pedophiles and criminals just because of the right's like hey maybe we should punish criminals <laughs>
1: Right. Well, they are able to police each other and conform in a way that I don't think the right is. Like, look at the look at what's happening right now with the right. Like, just in every way, it actually, I don't even know what to point to. All of it, every single aspect of the right is like in disarray because there there isn't like one line that the right has to follow. And I think that if you have a, a two friends, one's left wing, one's right wing, it, you know that the falling out is going to happen from the left wing friend not being able to handle the right wing friend having opinions. And that's always the way it goes. It's always the way the stories end up. And it, it's just interesting because the left is like hardest on themselves. They are, you're. it's much easier to get canceled by a leftist, you know, as a leftist. And it's much easier to have your book canceled or to have, you know, and any number of things happen to you if you're a leftist who steps out of line. Did you see um, the Eat, Pray, so... Love chick? Yes. <laughs> the Eat, Pray, Love chick. Right. Who canceled herself, basically. <laughs>
0: I was like, my next book would be E Pray, Go." Fuck yourself. <laughs>
1: like, well, it's that just so, would you know, be my I, next book. It's a little uncomfortable for me because if we're not allowed to set book and set books in the Soviet Union because Russians are so bad. Like, I was born in Russia during the Soviet Union. I, I so I, I, I jokingly constantly add that, like, oh, my father's from Ukraine, so it's okay. But like, what about the people who don't have a father from Ukraine? Like, what happens to them?
0: They don't exist, right? Yeah, no, you can't
1: ever talk to them because you're just you know, you're basically like loving Putin. If you talk to me,
0: <laughs> that's what this whole <laughs> interview is really about. I was hoping you <laughs> would be able to connect me to Putin since I know <laughs> I was like, oh, Carol's Russian, maybe she can hook me up with Putin. This is an insane thing that I keep thinking is going to stop. And we've been covering this. Dumpster fire, we always joke. We're like, people should be burning this and putting it on disks and blasting it into space so they know what happened to us. (laughs) 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 Bury it in the ground somewhere on a a disk or something you can play in futuristic technology. Put it in the cloud. I don't know. (laughs) Put it somewhere. (laughs) Where they can find out what happened to our civilization because we keep thinking one of these years, it's going to just things will not be so crazy. I kind of thought the like canceling authors thing had burned itself out. And then it's like, nope.
1: I, You know, okay, but um, just to be an optimist for a minute, I do think things are getting better a little bit. And my thing is, well, that was my next question. Right. Well, look what happened with this Eve Pray Love. Nobody knows her name. We just call her Eve Pray Love. Elizabeth Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> okay. So nobody canceled her. She canceled herself. That's she even She decided, worse. you know, yes, it is even worse, but then it's it's like your own problem. You know, it's like nobody even knew she had a book coming out. It, it really just gave her a ton of publicity. Um, you know, it, it just, I I get that it's worse because she felt like she had to self-police, but nobody came for her book contract. Nobody contacted her publisher and said, don't release this book. And I think if she had released that book, it probably would have sold well because she's, you know, she is who she is, even though that book was awful, her Eat, Pray, Love. Horrible. Awful, awfulness. I could not get book. through it. Horrible. I couldn't finish but, oh, it. Oh, <laughs> my life is so sad. I'm like traveling around. It's I so got awful. paid lots of money <laughs> by a magazine <laughs> to go do this like, oh, My <laughs> publisher. I was like, right.
0: I was traveling when I read that book and I couldn't get through it. I was sick yeah. in New Zealand. I'm like, I can't read this.
1: So bad. Um, but I'm sure her new book would have sold a lot. I don't know. I might have bought a Soviet set story. Why not? Like, I'm interested in that. And I, it's just the idea that, you know, she decided that her book couldn't come out because a war is going on there. It just makes no sense to me. So when you're writing a book, you have to make sure that that country is not gonna do anything bad until the time that your book gets published because that's a tough ask. Um, And it's not like that most countries in the world haven't done something horrible. And and again, I'm not, please let it be known that I am in no way defending Putin or Russia in this situation. because I feel like that might need to be said. Um, I just don't think that you should hold people accountable from 50 to 80 years ago who were going to be the main characters in her book.
0: I think it was actually like over 100 years ago,
1: wasn't it? (laughs) Maybe, um, no,
0: it was set like in the nineteen oh, like, early nineteen hundreds, wasn't oh, it? Oh, I thought
1: it was like fifties. I thought Oh, it was
0: maybe like, I'm wrong. No, it,
1: yeah, it it had to be after the revolution, so it was like nineteen twenty on or something. I think was the, but I, but I understood it to be in the nineteen fifties, post World War II. Um, which is I could be wrong, but that's what I thought was the the setting.
0: Okay, maybe I... i, I the mean, Soviet
1: years. You've case, written a book. This is yeah. why I
0: think it's worse, though. You've written a book. And it's a book that is basically like a, a book report. So it's research, but and you're collecting things. You're not making up characters and plots and all the shit that she had to make up and do research and write a whole novel and then self-censor it because some... T- people came at you with Ukrainian yeah, flags times, in oh, their like,
1: yeah, bios. Right. Right. But yeah, that, maybe that it was cool. just but, a but way for her is, to get some attention. Right. Cause the truth is that book can come out anytime, right. In a year and two years, my book is like for right now, this is what's happening now. And in fact, we have a COVID chapter in the book, which we were like, Oh, is this, should we, should we include this? Because it's, it's like backward looking, but her book, you should get released that in five years. And it'll still be relevant because it's happening 50, whatever years ago. Um, so I don't know. I, I, in general, I think people are getting tired of the woke insanity. And I think that th- because they're such a minority, uh, and that's really the other thing that I, like the only hopeful message that I normally have for people, cause I, I'm such a bummer otherwise is that, um it's only like nine percent of the country calls themselves very liberal. And I'm sure that number is even smaller for real woke nonsense. Um, the people who don't think it's fair to have, you know, um, rigorous classes or algebra in eighth grade, or the people who, um, think that we need to separate by race, the classes or any kind of crazy things that, that, are believed by some of these people I believe are a really small segment of the population. So the immigrants are going to save this country. I mean, we're trying, you know. We are trying, but um it's it's tough. It's tough yeah. because like look what ends up happening to them. Asians have become white supremacists. <laughs> like,
0: everyone's white and, supremacist. Know?
1: Well yes, but you know, it's like a little tougher when you're Asian. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: Anyone. I mean Muslims are <laughs> white supremacists right. now.
1: Right, obviously. Hispanics you know, since they were white so supremacists since twenty twenty have yeah. been white supremacists. Um, I don't know. One of the jokes that, like, we have in our family is that, um, we're just glad that Jews are white now. Like, we'll take it. We're white You know, just like, we're white. It's nice. It's nice to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting us in, you know. <laughs>
0: I get, sometimes I get bleak. We were doing a writer's room last week for Dumpster Fire. We do like, you're welcome to sit in if you really want to throw down some jokes with us. Anyone is welcome. But at the end of the writer's room, a friend said, I know that this show is true to its brand because by the time we get to the end, I want to take my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's <laughs> like I know it's definitely. I just want to die. It's yeah. tough. It's tough to get through it, but we've got it. I think that mocking it is so powerful. I find right. like the only. It's so powerful to be able to look at this stuff. And la- this week, one of the things I don't want to cover it, but I have to because you're you're putting this out there. Is that Fetterman Biden? I'm like, this isn't real, is it? This has to yeah. be a deep fake like betterment <laughs> introducing by bi- I'm like, this, yeah. this can't be real. <laughs> and the, it is real. And we're supposed to just eat that and take our medicine and be like, right. Oh, this is fine. Like we're yeah. all that freaking dog in the burning house meme.
1: Right. I, the thing that my, is this real moment from this week was, I don't know if you've seen the updated, um, pride flag,
0: no, um, send it to a, me. A,
1: allegedly, I mean the thing is, I, I even though well, it's real, I have, I have traced it on Twitter and it seems real. The guy who has des- designed the most recent Pride flag with all the different colors and circle and whatever has added a infinity symbol for autism to it, and so it's and and, and it's quite large. And so I the only thing I don't like apparently it's the same guy, same designer. So this feels like you know, a four chan troll. I don't know. It looks like it, it looks real. It looks like it's, it's the same guy. So, and, and if that's the guy that we all turn to for our latest iteration of the flag, then obviously we have to now remove our old flag that is now racist and put up the new one. And you know, that that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah. I don't, I never know when those things go around because like, I would say a large percentage of the time they're for chanterels that conservatives yeah. fall for every time. I'm like, if something But then
1: li- the flag is what it is. It's like right. you know? <laughs> that seems like it'd be fake and yet it isn't.
0: Yeah, I really abide by my husband's rule of consuming media, which is assume everything is false. And if it's something that you want to believe is true, ask yourself why. And if it confirms your bias and it's like so on the nose, it's probably false. And if you don't want to believe it's true, ask yourself why. And that's kind of my general rule of... But
1: that was me during the last few changes to the pride flag. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like so I, I don't know anymore, Bridget. <laughs> like, I didn't believe that they added like black and brown colors and then the circle. I, I didn't believe any of that. And then but forget about the trans part. Like, obviously that was coming, but like the rest of it, like, my God. Are we um, just being trolled? Yeah. So, unless that, unless this is all a very elaborate for Chan (laughs) Chan hoax, which, listen, if it is, I really commend them because they got that flag on like government buildings. Um, I don't know.
0: Have you heard from a lot of parents since you wrote this book?
1: A lot. I hear from them all the time. And I wish I had better answers for them because a lot of it is really tough and isn't. There's no easy answer. Um, There's not one solution. And, you know, they'll write to me and they'll say, "Um, I discovered these books in my child's library. Like, what's my next step? And I'll walk them through it, how they should present it to the school board and, you know, how they should try to find numbers, you know. And and they'll say, like, well, I've told people about it and they don't care. Like, I've, or I've talked to other parents and they don't want to get involved in this. And then it's like, I go back to, I, I, you can only do so much where you are, and it might have to be a change in your lifestyle. It might have to be a different school. It might be a different neighborhood. It might have to be any number of things, um, but you can't continue banging your head against the wall. So well, Bethany and I, my co-author Bethany Mandel and I have prescriptions in the book and what you can do, um, a lot of it is you know, lack of a better term, but to raise awareness. I I always find that kind of just a funny funny turn of phrase, raising awareness. But a lot of people don't know these stories. They don't know that this exists. They don't know that this is happening. Um, I find like the medical field one was to me... Um, it's to me the, the scariest one because uh, my kids are out in the world. They go to, you know, public and private schools, um, Bethany homeschools her six children, and she has built a wall around them um, to protect them from whole culture. And yet that medical field gets right over her wall because she has to take her kids to the pediatrician. Like, you can't not take them. Right. Um, so you, you know, the woke life, the woke world, no matter how much we protect ourselves from it is still there and still wants us. And I, I joke, you know, you might not be interested in woke, but the woke are interested in you. And I know that
0: your co-author went viral, which was great for the book for not being able to like having a postpartum yeah. brain fart. Um, right. what, how do you define woke to, for, for people who ask you?
1: I say that it's leftism coupled with a forced conformity. So Mm. leftism has always existed. I'm not saying that colleges weren't leftist indoctrination factories before, but now the left themselves are unable to have any kind of difference of opinion. And it's that forced conformity to me that makes wokeness what it is. So an example that I often use is, The old left, you get a woman's studies degree. The new woke, you get a woman's studies degree, but you can't define what a woman
0: is. Right.
1: (laughs) You you know? And this is where we are. So um, there is a difference. And that difference is that they don't allow uh, any kind of speech or anything. One of the um, other things is you mentioned earlier, like the term cis and whatever. My prediction is that the word transgender is very soon going to be anti-trans, because what is a transgender female? It implies that this person is not just a female, so that word is going to end up being unacceptable. In our lifetime, for sure, probably far sooner, you know, I I would say in the next few years we're going to see this shift. but you know, I've heard Bethany describe d- describe woke and define it so many times. Obviously, I you know, if I had a, she her, she had a six week old at the time. I that's would mess crazy. When I, was a I know, I know, and she did it anyway. She went on book tour. She's like such a hero. And it I really, know, like, kills me that that moment um, went viral the way it did because. You know, I know that she knows what woke is. Of she course. Kn- I've heard her talk about it. I've wrote, written a whole book with her about it. Um, and the thing is, we don't need to use woke, really. It, it It is just a leftist conformity. It just woke is an easy phrase to sum it all up. Six weeks.
0: I mean, I was like, yeah. I can't believe she's even doing press. And anyone who's had a child knows. I went on, Right. I think I was on Rogan when I was like, uh, how postpartum was I? Maybe six months. And I was still like, couldn't find words.
1: Halfway through the interview. I'm
0: like, I can't find words. I don't even know (laughs) what words I'm looking for or what they mean.
1: Right. My, my youngest is seven years old. I'm hoping to someday be normal again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I just was that, I mean, but I do think it was good for the book. Actually,
1: no. It, it was, it was great. It was great. Like, nobody denies that it just, yeah. you know, I'm sure it hurt her and I didn't enjoy seeing her, you know, suffer like that. And it's, it sucks, you know?
0: Yeah, no, it's like, there's certain people that, um, really get like, people just have like a really strong reaction to her. Yeah. Like Barry Weiss is one too, where it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is like an outsized response to something that feels I don't know. It's just weird. Like certain people provoke very strong reactions and large numbers of people. And it's kind of terrifying. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) She seems like she can handle it. She's so, she's, she's so tough. Um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that you guys wrote this book. I'm glad that I think if anything, it's like, What I constantly hear from people, because I get a lot of the politically homeless and people, but I get so many emails too, and I'm not even in the space you guys are in with kids and writing this book. And everyone's like, What is happening? Nobody knows what's going on. How they're like, How did this just get everywhere all at once? Like, is there something in the water?
1: (laughs) You know? No, it's a cultural revolution that this is this is what has Come to our shores, mm. and if people understand it like that, I think that it becomes much more manageable. You understand that, like this, there's a, a message being aimed at you. In China, they call it the main melody. We have like, our own main melody, and once you see it, you can't not see it again.
0: Is there an underlying purpose, or is there an end game? You know, when you say these teachers are taught this stuff and they mm-hmm. go to teach it, why do we? There's-
1: To push leftism. I mean, I, I think that that's just what it is. Um, I think that the Marxist books are not an accident. They are pushing socialism. They are pushing Marxism. Um, and I think that they're doing it in a really deliberate fashion, um, throughout society. It's not just about politics. That's the thing. Conservatives, people on the right, they, they sort of just see it as like, oh, if we just get our guy elected president, like this is all going to be okay. Like, no, none of this is going to be okay unless we, you know, fight back on every Part of culture and you don't need to be conservative to think that way I think that the moderates and the, you know normal liberals should be fighting back too because this is crazy what what they're asking for is crazy the the conformity of it all should terrify people you know Soviet Union wasn't gulags for most of the time it was just neighbors enforcing the right opinion on their neighbors and I think you need to see it as If you want to be free, you have to fight this sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I know. This is kind of, unfortunately, the shores I've found myself washed up on.
1: (laughs) Well, we like you here, Bridget. Well, it's just, it's (laughs) like,
0: there's a lot there. I've just, I'm always like, oh God, the right doesn't do themselves any favors as someone coming from the left, because I'll be like, all right, I need to fight this on the left and I have a friend who says the, the kind of defining ideology of America is but the right, which now that he said that, I can't unsee it. It's kind of true everywhere. And I feel like that's not helpful at this moment in time when we really should yeah. be saying but the left.
1: Right. Because there's right.
0: the stuff that they're doing is so unhinged. And mm-hmm. I keep telling people, you don't need to be on the right to reject the left.
1: Absolutely. Even if
0: the left will say you're now on the right, you don't have to accept that from them.
1: You know, another point that I feel like I've been making a lot lately is like every time somebody on the right says anything kind of controversial or maybe like over the line or whatever, you'll get a bunch of people on the right rushing to condemn them, like rushing to do it. This very rarely happens on the left. Again, their their ability to control what their fellow, you know, political allies say um, and think is, it's scary to me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, scary to me too. Well, this has been uplifting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, I usually end on the whole 9% of the country. No, know. we're going to end on my usual <laughs> questions, which
0: is positive. Okay. What's your mm-hmm. biggest defect of character? Oof.
1: Oh gosh, Bridget, um, I, can I make you like a long list? <laughs> sure.
0: You can, you can <laughs> interpret it however you want.
1: Effect of character. I just, I. I really love people. I know that that sounds like I just try too hard or whatever, but <laughs> I like I'm a perfectionist. That's really my negative, but I really love people. I love meeting people and I think I let too many people in. Um and it's it, it does cause problems like in in my overall life. Like, why do I have this crazy person like <laughs> that I now hang out with or, you know, um but I I don't know. I just I really enjoy people. I really enjoy you know talking to them and um my antisocial husband is always like, please, no, stop. Like, <laughs> No more, no more, pe- no more people.
0: <laughs> we have similar, we all need to get together. I think yeah. my husband's very much like I have to kind of drag him kicking and screaming out. And once he goes out, he's fine. It's not like he's a weirdo. He can definitely just, you know, hang, but it's like, I I've accepted that I have to go, let him go through his, like, (laughs) like, uh, (laughs) I've accepted that. Mm -hmm. I I used to like, be like, I don't want to have to pump you up and like be, and he's like, no, I just need to go through this. And now I'm like, okay, just, this is just, you need to go through this. Um, what's your biggest asset? Damn, is it going to be the same, same answer?
1: Same answers. I love people. (laughs)
0: Often the same. I uh, I mean, this is very common.
1: Okay, good yeah, I, I think that I am a really good reader of people, despite the fact that I said I let, I let too many people in. Um, I, I really love hearing people's stories. I love hearing what they're all about. And um, I, I, you know, I just I love making friends. And <laughs> all of that is important. Yeah, I, I honestly, I I'll say this. I You know, we've been in Florida a year and a half. I have friends there, like who I knew from before, or I met like in the Twitter political world, but I haven't really made like friends, friends yet. And I'm, I'm lacking it.
0: Yeah. I don't have many friends here. I feel, I feel that lack too, but my girlfriends, I feel like are all kind of over the world at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. and we always touch base and I have sisters. Right. I have a lot of sisters. My husband's like, You and your sisters always are on the f-. I'm like, That's a sister thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I don't, I've always felt like I haven't needed as many friends because I have three younger sisters and we're all very close and we're always like, da, 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 da. So that, 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 that. So that's helpful. But I do feel it like in my real life and especially having, being a mom and being kind of isolated out in the burbs, which is very strange for me. Um, I have Maggie, which is, thank God, cousin Maggie to save the day, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's an adjustment. Well, where can we find you in the book?
1: Um, I'm at Twitter at Carol. K-A-R-O-L. Cause you were the first person
0: on Twitter apparently. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I, it was actually in the days, like in the early days, I wasn't that early and Twitter used to answer emails. I know now that that's like that. Now like, you just
0: get the poop emoji <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but Which they used to, I them so and I was like, hey,
1: nobody's using this at Carol. Like, they have the account, but nobody's tweeted in like two years. Like, Can I have it? And they're like, yeah, yeah take it. Oh, nice. There was a few of us who did it at the time, um, but now they don't respond to emails. Now, you're, now they're like, somebody's impersonating me and asking my followers for money. And they're like, good luck. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, what is your, um, where can we find the book, Stolen Youth?
1: Stolen oh. Youth is available anywhere that you buy books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the Daily Wire website, because Daily Wire is a publisher. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So anywhere that you, anywhere fine books are sold.
0: Well, I'm glad it's doing well. And um, I love catching up with you. I want to catch up with you in person and hug you. you, And Totally. We should come to Florida and visit.
1: Yeah, or I'll come to Texas. Either free state works for me.
0: Yeah, except it's like a billion degrees here right now. So I tell people maybe (laughs) in the fall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We do air conditioning really well in Florida. Yeah, we do Uh, it well here too,
0: actually, I have to say. Okay. But yeah. it's still mo- mostly unmanageable for people, even to walk outside. I love it. I'm just I such a weirdo. No, I don't
1: care. I don't. I don't mind it.
0: It's yeah. 96 degrees at night, and I walk out. I'm like
1: ah. Yeah, That's I me love
0: too. it. I love the humidity. <laughs> I'm weird like that, though. It Reminds me of actually being in like India and Sri Lanka, and I loved. I loved it when I was there the whole time. I like thrive in this kind of very extreme heat. Cold though. Yeah, I get violently angry.
1: Same, yeah.
0: Well, thank you, my dear.
1: Well, thank you so much. It was really great being on with you. Good to see you.
2: Stream the biggest blockbusters this summer with popcorn summer movies on Pluto TV.
1: Indulge in hilarious rom-coms like The Backup Plan or delve into award-winning dramas like Forrest Gump and Minari with thousands of other free movies. Pluto TV has something for everyone available on live tv
2: and on demand download pluto tv on all your favorite devices and start streaming
1: now
0: it's time for the weekly check-in with bridget and cousin maggie hello hello and how are you doing you know gotta go to a funeral this weekend so
2: yeah gotta travel to go to a funeral Mm. that's tough
0: Yeah, it'll be a quick trip because he didn't have the decency to pass away closer to my vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe the audacity. Yeah. Gallows humor is fun. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm just busy and wondering if, um, you know... Content creation is a viable means of making a living anymore?
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is the big conversation we've been having.
0: (laughs) Can we keep the lights on? Actually, a real question by Bridget and Maggie. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Just maybe it's just summer. Yeah. A lot of the time, I feel like. In my life, I freak out this time of year, even when I was teaching yoga or working with kids with autism or anything. It just always feels like summer. I would freak out about other than being in the restaurant industry in Resort Town when you're like rolling in cash. Yeah. This would be traditionally when I'd I'd have to tell myself that everyone's on vacation. Things slow down in the summer. Yeah. Things slow down, and then and people just aren't online as much because they're actually out. M- right, a large majority of the country experiences winter, and so they want to be outside, and they're spending their money on vacations and concerts. And right, pretty soon they'll all be trapped inside with nothing but a political election coming oh, up God. and no new content because of the strike.
2: Right, and they'll need to be distracted by.
0: That's when I'll snatch you. dumpster (laughs) fire. That's when dumpster fire will rise. (laughs) And people will discover Watkins welcome for the very first time.
2: (laughs) And I mean, someone on factory settings, one of the comments today was like, I find myself listening to every single one of these and not just the topics that I'm interested in because you guys just, I'm always, I find the conversations fascinating.
0: Uh, So I was like, oh, that's nice. We have fun too, though. The factory settings are just funny. Yeah,
2: they are funny. Just <laughs> listening to you guys and
0: your dynamic. And
2: they always do. They always make me think of like, what was my family like? What is my, like, what yeah. was my
0: blah, 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 you know? Yeah. We want to make people think about their, their life. Because it is crazy how in the the topic can be so simple. You're uh-huh. like, oh, food. Right how could we possibly talk about this? And then you just get in there and you're like, oh, this is like,
2: there's a lot to uncover here. Yeah.
0: And unpack and it changes and we're so lucky. We have so much of it. And
2: yeah. And it makes, it's just really interesting to hear like your different stories about where, like what you were raised with. Yeah.
0: I think we're going to start doing live streams. I, I want to in the fall start reading the letters from the politically homeless and doing live streams and talking about them because they do generate a shitload of conversation. Yeah. And people get so mad. So So
2: mad. So mad. It's hilarious to me.
0: People write like entire diatribes (laughs) about why the person writing the letter is an idiot. Is a moron.
2: (laughs) And they're like, how dare this person be allowed to air their opinion publicly?
0: Somebody somebody DM'd me and they're like, I I don't think a majority of the people who write these letters (laughs) should be allowed to vote. (laughs) I think a lot of them don't. So you're in luck.
2: But I love the letters, and like I just love the different perspectives and people's yeah. different feelings about things. No, I I really I love the idea of doing a live stream around those uh, weekly, just reading them and maybe and getting let guests the commentators on
0: and, just roast roast the letters Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny too when people get mad at me because I'll post it on social media and then they'll they'll act they'll like I'm yours. the writer and like <laughs> I'm not writing all these guys. I know it, it might seem like it. And it was funny, one of the guests we had on this week, kind of in the same vein of the guests we have this today, Carol, is Christopher Rufo, who's been like super effective. And I know the way they look at people like me. And I actually even called it out when I was talking to him. And as just kind of, in a, don't want to put words in his mouth, but I know that I'm not seen as exactly like, a radical warrior, I'm kind of just like a wishy-washy, you know... Like, the IDW has been roundly mocked for just being... uh, And I don't consider myself part of the IDW, but they've been mocked as being kind of useless. Well, I mean,
2: to me, the point is to give people a place to have conversations and, you know, make people think a little bit about something they might not have thought about. And we're not trying to take a stance on anything other than making fun of it.
0: Yeah, that's the very Gen X kind of.
2: Yeah, we're not trying to convince anyone of anything, and that's yeah. that's fine with me. I don't I don't want to have like some sort of agenda where we're trying to convince people of something other than to subscribe to fantasy for our content. That's like the only thing. The you only want thing you to we want to
0: convince them of, but and tell one person about Watkins. Welcome.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I like the con I like the stuff we put out, and it causes conversation and hopefully makes people laugh. A lot of people are like, dumpster fires help helped me get through some really unbearable times. So, you know, that means something to me.
0: Don't worry, folks. There are more unbearable times coming. (laughs) Way more. (laughs) (laughs) I, like, always joke sadly what's bad. What's bad for America is good for dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. I just keep... And I was talking to Christopher about this because he was like, you know, people will say that they're anti-woke and, like, anti-DeSantis. And those two things are not compatible you you can't be you're clearly not serious about one or the other But I'm like, what about all the people who just can't hold their nose and vote for Trump? Even if they see this kind of dangerous ideology that's undermining the fabric of our entire country, (laughs) I don't blame them for not being able to just hold their nose and vote for somebody that they perceive has a very horrible character and is also not great for America and really is ultimately only very self-serving. Right. all the people who like went out and rallied for him on January 6th are or so, are or sitting in prisons he's not getting them out yeah. <laughs> and he might be sitting in prison too the way things are going so i i you know he he doesn't he understands that And I'm like, the right isn't exactly making it easy for people to go running into their arms. You hear this all the time from black Republicans and Latin American Republicans and the Hispanic people that I see who are conservatives. They're like, there's no outreach happening from the right wing. Right. Just like, don't even try.
2: And it's like what Carol was saying in this episode where it's like. There's no, the right isn't offering parents of trans children any alternatives to being like, there's other paths you can take. There's only one path. And then they're met on the right by just kind of like mockery and hate.
0: Right. So
2: what are they (laughs) supposed to do? Yeah. Like
0: you idiot. It's like, well, okay, I guess I'll stick with the people who are trying to trick me with their niceness. <laughs> right. Well, they just,
2: they're confused and yeah. they're not being given any alternatives to this one message. Yeah.
0: And That's interesting. I it's-
2: think too you saying that, like you've said it before a couple of times, just because you're not on the left doesn't mean you're automatically on the right. The left might say you are and the right might say you are, but you don't have to be. You can you can be very sure of what you are yourself. You don't need to let other people define what you are.
0: And I am nothing. <laughs> just so we're clear. <laughs> I am like Kaiser embodies nothingness. <laughs> I will disappear. <laughs> no, I, it's interesting because we are in this weird, I don't know, everything feels weird. Mm-hmm. Everything just feels weird. Like mm-hmm. unsettled. I have an unsettled feeling. Mm. Like there's going to be a freaking nine eleven or something. Mm, Lord.
2: <laughs> I'm so glad we're not in LA anymore.
0: No, I know we have been talking a lot about how glad we are that we're not in like a major city right now. Yeah. Get out of the cities. That's what they kept on saying.
2: People are fleeing the cities.
0: So yeah, maybe it's just the heat or just how crazy everyone is or the, the upcoming fact that we're election. Yeah. I mean, Trump could very well be the nominee.
2: Yeah. And be being indicted at the same time. And that's when dumpster
0: fire will rise. (laughs) Dumpster fire will never rise, guys. No.
2: It's just constantly being ignored, but that's okay. Uh That's probably for the best.
0: That's Fetis' whole vibe, Uh really. (laughs) just Stay invisible,
2: fly (laughs) under the radar, (laughs)
0: scraping by. (laughs) <laughs> until we can't until I have to pivot into back into waiting tables it's okay. it'll be good. It'll be good for me. I'll be back on my feet. <laughs> Tune in next week for another riveting episode that will change your life. Help you get out of your own way and solve all the world's problems. I want to thank our composer, Jared Elias, my co-producer and cousin, Maggie, and all of you out there listening. This has been walk Welcome with Bridget Phetasy. I'm Bridget Phetasy, and you're welcome.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest line. <laughs>